Good morning. Thanks, Pastor Mike, and excited to be preaching on money, and just everybody came out for the money sermon. Oh. That's one of those ones where you leave it out there to see do people laugh, do they groan, do they roll their eyes? I can hear you rolling your eyes. We are in a sermon series called Payday, and I'm excited to be a part of it. Sorry you're joining us today. Uh, it was planning on this Sunday to be a panel discussion, and the panel kind of fell apart for a variety of good reasons and some not so good, but we are excited to keep on talking about our paydays in a year that is a little bit wonky, right? It's a little wonky in our financial world. So in that light of having a panel, I'm like, we got to bring the drums out, and then the drums kill the projector over here. I'm just kidding. You're doing a great job. Great worship this morning. Can we give another hand for our worship team? Last week, we talked through in the start of the new year, 1-1, and appreciative of those who came last week. You got extra heaven bonus points on resolutions and how to have your financial portfolio kind of go towards those resolutions. This week, I want to give us three points coming from Jesus himself in the book of Mark. We're going to get that in a moment. Understanding how and what God wants to do with your finances, how God is intended this financial world to work in your lives, because it's a part of our lives we hold pretty tight, right? It's a part of our lives we don't like the preacher talking about, right? Yeah, we'll talk about more on that in a moment. The ground rules for this Sunday, this is not an exegetical sermon. Exegetical means we take the text and we let the text speak to us. What we're talking about is 2023 financial world and asking for what's happening around us through the Bible's lenses and giving us some insight of maybe how we can reorient ourselves and our finances. This does involve finance, and this may feel like a little bit of a squirm Sunday or an encouraging hug. Both are okay. Some of you are going to come away saying, yes, I'm awesome. And some of you are going to go away saying, oh my gosh, I feel awful. Both of you maybe want to talk to me or to other people in your financial world or in your spiritual world about that. Third point, ground rule, I am not a 10% pastor, tithe pastor, okay? What I mean by that is many of you have come in churches where it's 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%, 10%. That's really hard to say fast. Over and over and over, this idea of a tithe. And there is a tithe in the scripture, but in the New Testament, they gave everything. It's 100% of yourself, of your financial resources, of all that you are went to the church. And so scripturally, and we're in a New Testament church, we are supposed to give all of ourselves to Christ. So I'm giving that as a background. We talked about that last week. Fourth, there are widgets investments, and then there are people investments. E3 is a people investment organization. And lastly, I just wanted to give a heads up that I was going to preach on the prodigal son, and that sermon was trashed because the prodigal son's about the prodigal son and not about finances. We're talking about finances here this morning. So a lot of our, our, our service and even runaway train was oriented around that. Again, worship team rocked it this morning, rocked it this morning. So with that, those ground rules in mind, our current financial setting is a little wonky, and we don't have a cool panel. So I thought I better dress up <laughs> because it's time for Bible Jeopardy. Yeah. Do the, do, the, do the sound effect one more time. Some missed it. There it is. Now, Bible Jeopardy. If those of you know, if I wasn't a pastor, I would be a game show host. Unfortunately, I cannot find somebody who'll pay me to be a game show host. So this is my dream. 
Bible Jeopardy, we go through, there's split down the middle. This pole is the dividing line. If you're on this side, you're team cool. If you're on this time, you're team also cool. Now, <laughs> online, you chatting your responses. Darren will be the, uh, the, the host of your online. You're about seven minutes delayed from us, so unfortunately, you're gonna be really late by the time you would try and enter in your question here. So you answer in the form of a? There we go, and I, I'm very particular about this. We have three categories. We don't have the cool technology where we can jump around the board. You're supposed to play Jeopardy one way. You go 100, then you go 200, then you go 300. We all know this. So that's how the rules are. Everybody understand? That's a very unenthusiastic yes. Are we ready? The categories are Jesus. Now, a quick, a quick, I almost put the dollar sign in Jesus' name, and that immediately felt wrong, Okay. I felt so disgusting last, when I was doing this. I'm like, ooh, don't do that. No, no, no. So Jesus and talking about money is what this is. The second category, aptly named, money. And the third one, which we always have at E3 Jeopardy, potpourri. Potpourri is a variety of stuff. You never know what's going to come out of potpourri. All right. I have done a coin flip. Michael Boland, you have won a coin flip. You get to select the first category. What do you select? Jesus, Jesus. Can we put up the board, please? There we go. All right. Jesus for 100. Whoever answers first gets it. You have to shout it out. Make sure if you're in the back, 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 really shout it out, okay? Because I have bad ears. Here we go. This percentage of verses considered a tithe deal with money in the Gospels. What is 10? Well done. 10% of the verses in the Gospels deal with money. $100 to you, team. Also cool. Jesus' money for 200 Quoting, give to Caesar what is Caesar's. Jesus plucks a Roman coin out of this animal. Well done. Team, also cool. 200 extra points for 300 This coinage is what the poor widow offered at the temple. What is a mite? Who said that over here? Well done. The mite is, you know, we're all dealing in mites these days. I thought that was going to trip us up. Well done. All right. Tie game. Tie game. Tie game. Next category we're going to is money for 100. A key impactor of our current inflation, this rate is set by the Federal Reserve. What is the Federal Reserve? Lindsay with enthusiasm, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to watch out for chairs flying at me as she answers those questions for 200. These are names of two of the three women who have appeared on U.S. Treasury money. There's so much excitement, but you're all saying what instead of who? The correct answer is, the correct answer is, who is Susan B. Anthony and Sacagawea? Also, Martha Washington appeared on the $1 silver certificate in 1886 and 1891, as well as on the back of the, you don't care about this. Okay. <laughs> For 300, don't drive away. This is our country's first billionaire. Who is Henry Ford? Henry Ford. Well done, random person to my left. Potpourri. This is not about money. Isn't this great? Alexander Fleming discovered this common drug. Well done. Close, but no cigar. Well done. Team also cools in the lead. For 200. Cowabunga. 
let me say the answer before you give me the question. Cowabunga, period, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle sensei is named this. It's over here. Somebody said it over here. Well done. Well done. Who is Splinter for 200? It's a tie game. Actually, I have no idea. It's a tie game. I think. A lot of you are yelling at me. For 300, potpourri. This U.S. state is easiest to stay with it being only one syllable. For the victory! Team also cool! Well done! And this is coming off immediately. Awesome job, contestants. Team cool, you are so cool in my book. I'm proud of you all. Maybe next time. I'm impressed you knew... Uh, the, the, the might, I'm so impressed by that. Money and possessions, money and possessions make us inherently uncomfortable as believers. Why? Because just like Jesus' listeners, it's an idol that causes all sorts of sin. You know the old verse, the love of money is the? In 1 Timothy 6.10. But also money, just like in Jesus' day, was a focus. It was a part of their daily lives. There was mites that you had to deal with. We need some sort of money to live a cultural normal life in this world. I don't know in the world to come if we will. But in this world we do, and inadvertently we pass along this money obsession from generation to generation. You don't believe me? Underneath one seat in this room right now is a $100 bill. Go. See, the teenagers start moving, okay? <laughs> the teenagers are like, what? I'm gonna listen to the sermon now. There's not a $100 bill, sorry, friends. But talking about money from the gospel perspective is an uncomfortable exercise. And I want to be clear, money is not by itself evil. Money by itself is not evil. Sometimes it's very, very good. In our culture, as in Jesus's, it is a fabric of society. 11 of the 39 parables deal with a topic. 11 of the 39, it's about a third. But it is an uncomfortable topic. And why it's the second least favorite topic for me to talk about as your pastor when we listen to Jesus and the Bible speak on money, it gets even more uncomfortable. It's because Jesus consistently pushes us and changes our perspective on money. Today, I want to dive into Jesus Speaks About Finance and how we can use these as good benchmarks and good guides as we head into 2023, where many of us don't want to think about this or talk about it at all. In other words, when we have our payday, as a sermon series is aptly named, how do we deal with that with a worldly and a heavenly vision? Mark 12. Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? Now, Jesus, if he answers it one way, he'll be trapped. If he answers it the other way, he'll be equally trapped. Because if he says, don't pay to Caesar, they're going to say, oh, Caesar, Herodians are going to be angry. If he says, do pay to Caesar, then all the people who are wanting a Jewish state and want to overthrow Caesar are going to be angry equally as well. We see that in 6 AD, about 30 years, Jews have been required by the Romans to pay tribute of money into the fiscus, the emperor's treasury. Jesus' answer would immediately alienate one group with him to another. And Jesus sees the hypocrisy through their words. They already had coins readily available and were already using. So they put their authority and trust in Caesar. Caesar brought peace. Jesus, this passage continues. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. 
bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and they asked him, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. If our payday has U.S. minting on it, which many of us use U.S. dollars, some of us crypto, whatever our, our currency is, we have some sort of authority and we, we, we align with that authority saying what the value is. We should acknowledge the money printers, what the point is. Who's God's image upon? Yeah. God's image is printed on us. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. We're not money, okay? We're not money. But God has put God's image into men and women, all of us. All of us are image bearers of God. It's a good thing to think about on this day. And so this aptly puts this point right in our focus. Your worldly payday should never trump God's spiritual payday. People matter more than finance. I think this is the crux of many of our political strife in my lifetime, that people put finance above people. Because the finance, if people have money, they're going to be happy, so then they'll just be happy. No, put the people above the finance, and you'll reorient all of the culture. The rules are set up in place for more gluttony instead of care for humans. And in 2023, the challenge is going to be just that. Choose my own finance or the well-being of others. And this is not to be done with foolishness. This is supposed to be done with utmost care. And this is the response of Jesus to, trap, to the trap of the teachers. But look at Jesus at a different time comment on the same subject, but with his own personal teaching to the disciples. Just a few verses later, they're sitting outside the temple, and this occurs, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money in the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, the mites, the mites, only worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow put in more to the treasury than all the others. They got out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. The court of the women in the ancient temple is where this would occur outside the temple in the Jewish culture. They would have to bring their offerings and put them into 13 different trumpet-shaped boxes. And they would put their money into coins. So they'd throw their coins into these metal boxes and make large sounds. Look at me, look at me. I'm making money to the church, to the temple. These horn-shaped offering plates would have a system to good Jewish person to dedicate money for each of the 13 offering plates. Now, with this in mind, what we're going to do is have you pass by that offering pyramid 13 times today. That's a joke. She puts in this fraction of a penny. It's a fraction of a penny of what she puts in. And she only has how many? And there's 13 of them. And so she's not out there for show. She probably, if she's, if she's smart, she puts it in one and quickly exits because you would divide your offering up into 13 to make sure you made noise at all the different places, right? If the widow gives more than all the others, we have to really think how we give. Putting a nickel or a penny in that offering period, if all of us do it, we got a dollar. Put a nickel, five dollars. Put a dime, we got ten dollars. And that $10 can go towards the mission of bringing in the kingdom of God here at E3. But there's another point, a secondary point, that we have to have in giving that swallowed from this passage. 
the offerers looked for value in their system of Jesus' day. That if I make noise, people will see that I'm wealthy and I have a higher level of prestige in the temple system. It's just a common human thing to look for. Yet Jesus says that even the smallest of offerings, a fraction of the penny, the widow had the most valuable offering. And that takes me to the second point. Your payday does not equal your value. Some of you, that's going to be, what? Your payday does not equal your value. The money that you have does not make you more or less valuable in God's eyes. But many of us have been taught the complete opposite in our life. That if your salary is higher and you get a raise and you're making more than your brother or your sister, then you're higher up in the family tree. Amen? Ooh, Pastor Scott, that's a zinger. Yeah, it is. And it's true. Many of us have been told that the value that we bring in our bank account equals the value that I have in my society. And boy, doesn't our society say the same thing. Ooh, Pastor Scott, but the Super Bowl's coming up. I love it. Yes, the Super Bowl doesn't care about you. It cares about what you're going to buy with the money that you have. And the products that you buy are going to increase your value, at least perceived based on the cool Doritos commercial. And I love Doritos. But the point of this is, in 2023, you might want to write this down somewhere. Your payday does not equal your value. You're not a number. And just because there will be strife financially in 2023, because there will be, your value does not change. In contemporary culture, how does this translate? Friends, there are two main roots of sins that relate exactly to this point. It's a sin of greed and it's a sin of comparison. I need more, I need more, I need more, I need more. It's never ending. And I need more because they have more. And I need more because they have more. And I need more because they have more. And they have more. And so I need more. I'm comparing constantly. Most of the Old Testament law focuses on these two sins. And it's uncomfortable. And it's hard for me to even say it. Because it hits me just as much as it hits you. You are more than a number. Your success, your eternal value is infinitely more beyond any price. That's why so many of Jesus's parables deal with just that topic about a valuable pearl, about a field that was worth more than anything else that they had in their lifetime. And it's a way of thinking that we're so foreign to as 2023 Americans. I loved, I've had the opportunity twice now to travel to Uganda through two different groups. And we led college students there and just a fish out of water is me in Uganda. And we went to this Ugandan church, and it was amazing because in the church service, they brought up their offerings during the song time, and it wasn't that they brought up money, is they brought up literal stuff that they had. And they created a mini market and were able to say, hey, I have two chickens, who needs chickens? And they would then give the chickens to the person who had the money, the money would then go to that person, they give the money to the church. And it was so disorienting and so chaotic not, not to mention earlier in the, in, the, in the service, a woman wrapped a dancing scarf around me and I had to dance in church. Never again. <laughs> Never again, church, will I dance in church. Please, God, no. You don't want to see that. But the point of this is, is that our value and what we bring to the church isn't just the financial. It's who I am. It's the entirety of what I bring and we can be creative in how we together can usher in the kingdom of God in Tallahassee in 2023. 
But lastly, I want to bring up this as a third and final point, but also a point for us to consider with bringing myself and my whole portfolio, both financial and in my personhood, and it's a payday paradox. It's fun to say. So many of the parables of Jesus center around being both faithful, but also equally shrewd with our finances. And those are two things that are completely opposite from one another. You have to have faith. You step out on on a leap. You don't plan it out. You don't consider when you're going to step off the mountainside of what's going to happen if you have faith. And equally, if you're going to plan out stepping off the mountain, you're not just going to to, to do it with, with a leap, you're going to kind of consider how long it's going to be to get down the mountain and what's going to happen as you fall down and bonk your head. This idea of this paradox is true in all of Jesus' parables. You have to have both faith and planning in equal amounts, in equal amounts. And so you have to plan your, par- the payday paradox is this, you have to plan 2023 payday with both great faith and with great planning. It's not enough for me in 2023 with whatever my finances are just to go status quo. I should take time and think through where am I investing it and how can I invest it even greater, both in my finances and in my entirety. From financial work and a bunch of different courses and backgrounds that I have, you have to have both your defenses up, your insurance, health, life, disabilities, car, house, et cetera, and also your offenses, your traditional investments, stocks, rare metals, bonds, your non-traditional investments, your belongings, your house. All of these things have to be in place with some strategy and then also some faith. But the powers in which you put those investments in is what really matters. Do you have a budget? Do you have other people who are giving you advice and accountability in whatever your finances are? Do you have life habits to support those in 2023? Am I supposed to change one aspect of my work and my rhythms and my habits so that I can have greater ability to be impactful in other ways that God's calling me and support? But lastly, you have to think through how and where am I involving God in my finances? I'd ask you to consider as we continue on this sermon series that you pray for your finances, not for prosperity, not because I think I'm going to get 10 times back the amount I pray for, but pray because God wants to be involved in that area of your life. It's an uncomfortable thought to think that God wants every single aspect of my life. I thought God only wants one hour on a Sunday and apparently maybe two hours in serving somebody else you know, throughout the year. God wants every aspect of your life. And what's interesting is that the economy of heaven, the glimpses we see through scripture, echo that. God wants to be a part of every aspect of your life, both in your personal, in your morality, in your financial, because God's setting you up for an eternity with him. It's worthwhile considering as we jump into 2023 that then comes 2024 and 2025 and maybe 2030, and some of us, are looking forward to the life to come. And that creates a great amount of faith, but also a great amount of preparation. What prayer does is it dialogues with God in your financial life that we can easily compare or become hoarding of. Instead, asking God for heavenly orientation transforms us into stewards of what we have instead of possessors. Spend time with God in your finances in 2023 and see your payday reoriented towards a fantastic new way. 
Here's our challenge for this week. Where do I need to bring God? Where do I need to bring God into my payday? And what do I need to consider in 2023 changing in my payday? These kinds of work, these kinds of thoughts are challenging, but I promise you'll find reorientation and a newness in your life if you consider these. Amen? And now what we call in the church service is a hard turn. There's no easy way to come off of a payday sermon into communion really easily, except to say that in the economy of salvation, Jesus has done all the work. It's a beautiful thing that we have nothing to do by ourselves to earn our salvation. It's all been done by him. He's taken care of the entire debt that is owed, that sin debt, and reorients us into an act that he tells us to do often. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And he continually reminds us that this habit of doing something so simple as eating and drinking can bring a newness to life that I was just speaking about. This idea of giving up our entire selves and ingesting Jesus versus some other crazy thing that we would do is so impactful in our theology. And it's something we take very seriously here at E3. We will invite you in a moment to come up and take both the bread and the cup, and we invite you to hold that so we take them all together as we close out our service. We use gluten-free bread, and we invite anyone who believes that Jesus is Lord and Savior to come to this table as an open table. Because we have so many awesome people here in attendance today, there is a chance that one or two of these stations may run out, and so we'd invite you to go to another station, which may mean walking across the entire church, and that's okay. That's okay. We don't pre-plan out exactly how many cups and breads we need for every station. We have servers this morning who are blessed to have, and we invite, they will bless the elements as you receive them. And again, hold them as you go through this next song. I'm gonna pray and bless the elements, and we'll take them together in a moment. Father, I thank you for this bread and this cup. God, may you bless it right here, right now as not just a mere symbol of your eternal salvation, the work you've already done and the payment you've made, but as a sign and a seal of the life to come. That through the power of your Holy Spirit, something happens in what we experience in a moment. That this is not just mere bread. This is not just mere juice. These are your body and your blood. And so I say, come to this altar with arms open wide and accept this gift of forgiveness that you have given, this sign and seal of the life to come. We bless them. We bless the hands which take it. In your name we say it all together, amen. Come, the table is open.